Thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel a flood in my spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I, I sense the presence of God so mightily. Hallelujah. Now, when you read um, the book of Colossians chapter 1, from um, the verse 9, the apostle Paul said, For this cause, since we heard of it, he says, We do not cease to pray for you, and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. It all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This should be one of the prayer topics of every child of God. That you be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, there is a reason why uh, Paul prayed that prayer. The next verse tells us why Paul prays that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now focus on the verse 10. He says that ye might. That means this can happen until um, you have done the verse 9. He says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Meaning it is impossible uh, for, for you to walk worthy of the Lord and please Jesus Christ on, uh, without being filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Meaning, it takes knowledge, wisdom, and spiritual understanding to walk worthy of God. So, if your Christian life is deficient, if you're not seeing fruit in your Christian life, one of the first areas you should solve is spiritual understanding. Are you following this thing? So, if you lack spiritual understanding, you will lack what it takes to walk worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him. So, someone says, I want to please Jesus. What should I do? It first begins with understanding, which only comes from God's Word. Now, look what God's Word does again. So, He says that He may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. So if you're not being fruitful, what problem do you have? Revelation problem. Then he says an increasing in the knowledge of God. Meaning we can increase in God's knowledge. I love this. Every single day, every single week, every single month, you should be increasing. That's how God determined it. So you should be concerned about your spiritual life when you are not increasing in God's knowledge. Then he says, strengthen with all might. There is something spiritual knowledge does for you. It strengthens you with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. We are talking about spiritual character. So it all begins with revelation. And that revelation leads to transformation. So if you're not transformed, means there is something you're not informed about. That's how come you must treasure knowledge with all your heart. I'm not talking of science. I'm talking of spiritual knowledge. So you don't take for granted spiritual teachings that edify. Because you walking worthy of the Lord and pleasing Jesus is founded on that reality. Don't pray without revelation. 
Don't live a holy life without revelation. You must find the life you want to live to please Jesus on spiritual knowledge. This information just came in my spirit when I took the microphone. So, God's power begins to stir up within you to please him and walk worthy of him when a revelation comes to you. And surprisingly, that's what the devil is always fighting. So you don't come to this revelation. Hallelujah. Now, the whole Christian life is about God's plan of restoration. This whole thing we call salvation. It was, salvation was was never part of God's plan. God's plan was that he created man to enjoy fellowship with him. Salvation became necessary because of the fall. Are you following that? So, the fall had to bring a certain plan of restoration. Remember, the fall had a, a, a tripartite damage on the entirety of man. It first damaged his spirit, damaged his soul, and damaged his body. So his spirit was muted, separated from God. His soul became corrupted, and his body became what? Mortal. He was now diable. So, in God's plan of salvation, which we call restoration, salvation is God's restoration plan. So, God's plan of restoration is that man's spirit will be saved. We call that being born again. The word born again is from the Greek word ginao anothem. The word ginao means to begin. The word anothem means from the top. So the word born again means to begin from the top. That means the life you have now has been restored in the sense that it came from above. The new creation life. That was the first plan of God's restoration for salvation. Are you following this? So when a man gets born again, he begins to enjoy the first process of restoration in his life. But you see, that is not all because many stop there. The second plan, or which we call the second work of grace, is what we call transformation. Transformation does not take place in your spirit. It takes place in your soul because your soul is a makeup of your mind, your will, and your emotion. And that was corrupted and damaged by the fall. Are you following this thing? So you see, there must be some reformatting. There must be some renewal of mind. There must be some transformation. That process of God transforming you by the renewal of your mind is called the restoration of your soul. So in David's prayer, he says the Lord is my shepherd because when you are born again, Jesus becomes your shepherd. He guides you. He's the one in charge of your life. He says, he restored my soul. That restored my soul there is speaking about the second work of God's grace. And David was very right about that prayer. He restored my soul. So the second work of restoration is in your soul. And that one does not come by faith. Better still, put it right. It does not come by faith alone. There is an effort that needs to be applied. Now, when I say effort, I'm not speaking about law. I'm speaking about a certain discipline that every believer must subscribe by scripture to be able to walk with God and conform to his will and purposes. 
And one of the ways that we bring our souls into restoration is when we begin to give attention to quiet time. Quiet time is one of the processes that God uses to restore our souls. So that one has not come by just believing in Jesus. It comes when you spend time with the word. Then there's something happening to your soul and you will not realize it, but it is, you are changing. Most of you came to this church, I mean, having all kinds of mentalities, but gradually you are changing and you are realizing that something is happening. Because there is a second work of restoration, which is in your soul. Then a third work of grace, which is the third work of restoration, is the restoration of your body. Where Jesus gives you a new body that conforms to his immortal body. It will happen when Jesus appears. He will change our bodies to conform with his glorified bodies. We will have glorified bodies, which has no limitation. Are you following this? So, your response to the first work of God's grace is faith. You believe Jesus, you're born again. Your response to the second work of God's restoration plan is called yieldedness and obedience. So God tells you pray without ceasing, you obey. That's how you, you yield yourself to God's plan of um, restoration for you in your soul. So he says in James chapter 1, the verse 21, he says, let us lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That tells us, I'm, I'm sure someone says we have been cleansed by Jesus. Yes, that is, that is a positional work that has been done in your spirit. But there is still filth in your soul. There, there is still a certain level of naughtiness in your soulish realm. And God's word is telling us, everybody has filth and naughtiness. It came as a result of the fall. That corruption is still in the soul. So whether you are born again or not, you have corruption in your soul. All the mindsets you have that was inconsistent with God's word. There are some of you, you had your bad mindsets from your parents. They taught you that by their life. Their life was an example to you. And you learned all those evil behaviors from them. Your uncles, your friends, your relatives. All these mindsets you built. You watched some on TV. You heard some on radio. You watched some on Facebook. All these things serve as a corruption in the soul area so he says wherefore lay apart you are to divorce things that you know all the filthiness and the superfluity of naughtiness and he's saying that receive with meekness the engrafted that word engrafted means implanted word that means the original destination of God's word is not in the bible but in a heart so the word of God has accomplished its purpose when it is implanted in the heart of a man if you put a seed on this pulpit, it will never germinate. Because before a seed germinates, it has to go to its original environment and die. So he's saying God's word, which is a seed, has an original destination. The word of God is only effective in the heart of a man. When his word enters your heart, it begins to work. It creates a certain spiritually natural death in your soul and that death brings life to you. And that death is you losing yourself. 
God's word tells you to pray, you don't feel like praying. You have to die to be able to pray. He says, forgive. You don't want to forgive. You have to die before you can forgive. So that process of death, the word of God works in you, is killing selfishness. Ego. Self. It must die. Hallelujah. So we've been looking at a series we just recently began. Which we, we uh, themed the importance and power of quiet time. Now, if this was on a, a message on a playlist, many people would have skipped this message. Because people think, even including pastors, think that word quiet time is nothing really important. And surprisingly, it's the devil that has made it so. So the word quiet time doesn't really mean anything big. I'm a victim before. I was doing it, but when I hear quiet time, to me, I was like, this is just a normal thing that we are doing, you know. It's not really compulsory. When I have the time, I make time to do my quiet time. Have you done your quiet time? No, I'll do it tomorrow. So it's like some casual conversations we have about quiet time. So people don't value it. Even pastors don't value it. I have come to realize all Christian failures begin from quiet time. The earlier you know this, the better. We explained to you some divine facts about quiet time, which I think I want to re-align um, in your hearts again. You don't need to write that if you have written that already. We said that the difference between weak and strong Christians is in their quiet time. This is a serious matter I'm teaching you here. We said number two, failure in living the victorious Christian life is in the practice or the neglect of quiet time. If you're not making notes, you can't catch up. You have to go and listen to the teachings from the uh, beginning on the podcast. That's why we subscribe the podcast for you. We said number three, the secret of gaining roots and bearing fruit in God is in the amount of time we spend with him. If you want to gain roots in God, you want to bear fruits in God. I'm telling you, it begins with the amount of time you spend with God. So when, you see, a lot of time when Christians are telling me that, man of God, something is wrong with my prayer life. I don't know why I don't have joy in my heart. Man of God, I don't know why I'm getting depressed. I don't know why so many things are weighing me down. I know, I know what is wrong with you, but when I tell you, you'll be offended. You are neglecting the most important duty in your life as a child of God. So that will happen to you. It will. If you're losing your joy, it means you are losing your time spent with God. Because the Bible tells us in thy presence is what? Fullness of joy. You can't stay in his presence for long and not have full joy. This is impossible. So if you're a child of God who has lost your joy, you are always sorrowful. You're always moody. You have left his presence. You have left his presence. No matter how serious the challenges you are going through, the Bible has told us in his presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That means there is an ecstatic um, pleasure you gain in God that orgasm can give you. Okay, let's move on. Number four. The secret of the believer's divine strength and wisdom is in the practice of quiet time. <laughs> you are foolish because you don't know him. And it's not an insult. It's a state. 
wisdom is harvested in his presence. You know why? Because in God's attribute, he is the only wise God. Only wise God. So men that stay, behold, the only wise God become wise. <laughs> so most of the time when I find a Christian who is not operating in spiritual wisdom I know his problem he's running away from God like Adam number five we said quiet time plays a major role in the walk in our, in our walk with God so anyone who says he has a walk with God and does not have a quiet time is just lying Enoch walk with God. It is, you see, when you say you are walking with God, we are talking of the time you spend with God. So, walking with God in spiritual language is not having legs. Walking with God in spiritual language is having time with God. That's how we walk with Him. So, our spiritual legs is time. Because all the time you spend with Him is a journey you are making in Him. Every time you spend with God, it's a journey you are making in God. That's why those who spend time with God, are become, they become deep in God. Because God is deep. When you spend time with you, you become deep. When you know, you enjoy my teaching, you say, this man of God is deep. I'm deep because he's deep. There's no secret about my life. Praise God. Number five... We, number six, we say spiritual growth begins with quiet time. So if you are not growing up as a child of God, you don't have a quiet time. Number seven, we said the command to be constantly filled with the Holy Ghost begins with quiet time. Can you imagine? In Ephesians 5.18, it says be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. It begins with quiet time. Because it's in, it's in quiet time that you begin with worship, praises, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks to God you begin all this thing in your quiet time listen can I shock you quiet time is the believer's personal church service <laughs> quiet time is the believer's what personal church service This teaching is good. Quiet time is the believer's personal church service. Now, when we meet here like this, this is our corporate service. When we are alone with God, it is our private church service. So listen, when we meet like this, we pray. We share the word of God. We worship. We praise. We thank God. We share testimonies. We do the same in our private closet. And this is what makes us deep as children of God. So, meaning, God designed every day to be a church service. We don't go to church every day, every Sunday. We go to church every day. Your quiet time is your church service. This is deep. Number eight. The neglect of quiet time is an open door for Satan. 
I said that to you, right? Number nine, it is one of our highest expressions of faith. You'll be sitting now in the Bible, singing praise and worship. You can't see God. You can't feel God. Yet you know he exists. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. That means there are rewards for quiet time. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Quiet time is the first expression of your diligence before God. I just have to write it down. It's the first expression of our diligence before God. And we said, number 10, we said quiet time is how we prove our loyalty to Jesus. If you don't have a quiet time, you are not loyal. Number 11, the neglect of quiet time is the first sin you commit before other sins break through. Which means there is, there is godly breakthrough and satanic breakthrough. When you keep missing your quiet time, Satan says yes. God bless you. You are about to have a flood of sinfulness in your life. Yesterday I was talking to one of the um, guys who have been visiting us from um, Action Chapel. And he says something. I didn't realize it. You know when um, he says pray less you enter into temptation. He read from the uh, NLT. You know what it says? It says pray less you give in to temptation. Which means that without a prayer life, you can give in easily to temptation. <laughs> Number 12, which is the new one. You can update your note. Quiet time is our first expression of diligence before God. That's how you tell God that you are diligent. why should we have a quiet time? Why should we in the world have a quiet time? And we said there are three reasons. Number one is because we need fellowship with God. Go and get the teaching. Number two, because it is our privilege as Christians. Number three, it is because we gain tremendous benefits from it. Go and get the notes on the teaching. It's hard work. Working with God is hard work. So we can't spoon feed you go to the podcast, go to YouTube use your credit, the credit you have been using to watch Abin Waha on Facebook go, take it to YouTube and sit down, watch it, listen, make notes that's how you can be transformed though it is the pressure in the, the amount of time you, you spend in the presence of God, that determines your transformation it's not automatic, hard work now we begin to, we begin to look at the first point why is daily fellowship so important? Why is daily fellowship with God so important? So, we said number one. Can someone tell me? Number one, daily fellowship is important because we were created to have fellowship with God. You see, so I'm telling people that if your work is the reason why you are not having fellowship with God, you are already out of God's purpose for your life. It's a serious matter here. 
Because people say, I'm busy. I, I, can't, I don't know. I don't get time. That is why you were created for. To fellowship with God. So if any other thing is taking that time, you are already out of sync in purpose. Number two, we said Jesus Christ died on the cross so that fellowship could be restored. Can you imagine? There was a barrier between God and man which was called sin. And Jesus, the son, came to take sin so that sons can be born to have intimacy with God. So, if the reason for the death of Jesus was so that man can now have fellowship with God and that man for whom Christ died to have fellowship with God is neglecting the time he's supposed to spend in enjoying fellowship with God. He's wasting fellowship with God. He's insulting the blood of Jesus. He's making mockery of the blood of Jesus. And guess what? You're going to pay for it. Life will hit you like a dam that has been opened. God is in every man. It is through the time we spend to him, with him that we bring him out. There are people, God will remain sleeping in you till Jesus comes. It is through the time we spend with him that we are waking him in our life for people to see the evidence that God is with us. And number three, which is where we stopped last week. We said, daily fellowship with God is so important because the regular quiet time during Jesus' ministry was a source of his strength was the source of his strength <laughs> don't joke with this one this third point eh, it, it is what struck me i said uh, i can't joke i can't joke jesus you know many people think jesus his life was as you know he came to live as a superman if jesus came to live as a superman when he came on this earth with all his glory we would, we would have been shocked more than what we were seeing. Feeding 5,000 people, walking on the sea. That one is normal. Though. Like Jesus would have come in his glory and just say, I am the Savior. That breath, eh, that breath will bring the whole world down. The whole world, everybody will fall. So listen, everything Jesus did for us in his earthly life was actually the life man was supposed to live. So his life is supposed to be an example. So if Jesus prayed, he's telling you the secret of being a man in Christ is prayer. If Jesus healed, he's saying that healing is your life. If Jesus preached, he's saying preaching is supposed to be the life of every believer. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You have to be a Christian to preach. If Jesus saw people and said, your sins are forgiven, he's saying that the real man in Christ forgives. Are you seeing that? So, the reason why daily fellowship 
with God is so important is because it was the secret of Jesus' strength. In Mark 1, the verse 35, the Bible says he rose up a great while before day, went to a solitary place and then prayed. And as we proceed, we'll, we'll see the reason why you need a certain environment to be able to do your quiet time. So if you realize the mornings is not good for you because there are, there, there's a there's, there's a uh, a, a drinking bar that has been playing wild songs as from 6.30 that means that time may not be the best time for you because you cannot, you cannot, be, you cannot be having your quiet time in a noisy environment revelation won't come that means you have to choose your time so many, some of you must adjust if the morning does not work adjust it to a time that works well but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a time where you are so tired that you use it to sleep So, if the drinking bar opens at 6 o'clock, wake up at 3 o'clock. You see, when you do that, you are saying that you, God means a lot to you that you are trying to squeeze time. That becomes a sacrifice. And every time there is a sacrifice, heaven is opened. Am I teaching good here? So, if 6 a.m. does not work, try 3. If 3 a.m. does not work, try 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. But you must make sure you give God the first and the best. Am I teaching good here? So that was the secret of Jesus. All the strength you saw in Jesus. All the ability you saw in Jesus. All the words Jesus spoke. All the prophecies he gave to people. All these things came out of his time with God. In Luke chapter 5, the verse 16 in NLT version, the Bible tells us he often withdrew himself. Look, he says, but Jesus often withdrew himself to the wilderness for prayer. So Jesus prayed intermittently. He didn't allow his work to overwhelm him and stress him out. He knew the secret of refreshment. It's not in Calipo. It's not in series. The secret of refreshment is time in God's presence. So the more worn out you are, the more time you must spend in his presence. Praise God. So if Jesus needed time with God, how much more we? If this thing is not hunting you, eh, there's a problem with your passion for Jesus. You know, messages like this are not for people who are not serious with Christ. There are times messages like this, some of, some of you should be weeping. If for one month you have never opened your Bible, you should be weeping in a service like this. You should be crying for mercy. Oh, Jesus, I've disappointed you. That's what you should be doing in a service like this. What have I done to my Lord? I've disappointed my master. I've not prayed for one week. How? What's wrong with me? How did I do this? That's, that's your response. Then God is beginning to supply grace to help you. You can't be sitting and look at me and say, hmm, okay, man, God knows that I don't have time. When I get time, I'll give it to him. You know what you're doing? You are saying that you don't respect him. Do you know that we have 168 hours in a week? 
you can imagine that out of 168 hours, none was apportioned to Christ. Hey! What kind of life are you living? 24 hours a day, you couldn't give time for God. Have you seen those people who don't give and they say, when I get money, I'll give? Do you know they never give? The same people who say, when I get time, I'll make it. Never make time. Nobody has time. We make it. We make time. Nobody has time. We make time. I'm teaching good here. And I'll spend time talking about time when we enter into second service. Number four, which is today's message. Every great man, that's the fourth reason why daily fellowship with God is so important. Every great man or woman of God throughout history spent much time alone with God. Every great man or woman of God throughout history has spent much time alone with God. Genesis 24, the verse 63. Every great man or woman of God throughout history has spent much time alone with God. It is, is the fourth reason why quiet time or daily fellowship with God is so crucial. How many know that God is great? How many know God is a great God? <laughs> God is a great God. If you want to be great, be with a great God. So great men are those who spend time with a great God. And their results is greatness. You know, so you have the secret. You see, many people think great people, uh, I mean, when we are talking of greatness, we are talking about President Akufuado. He's not great. No, I'm telling you the truth. Even Mahama is not great. Though, so don't say I, I'm, I'm against Akufuado. Kennedy Ejepo is not a great man. Kenoforiata is not a great man. Davido is not a great man. Give me the, the worldly songs I'll be listening. Give me their names. Whiskey is not a great man. Don Little. <laughs> Jomet is not a great man. Oh, he's great. He has been spending time with God. Nathan Abbas is a great man. Okay, let's end it here. <laughs> no, you see, what, you see, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, some of us, we say, I met a great man today. Who? President of India. And we took a selfie. You missed it. Do you know your testimony? I, I met a great God today. <laughs> I met a great God today. You know, you're excited. I saw a celebrity. We took a photo. We took a photo. Sam! 
Shame on you. You haven't met the greatest man. His name is Jesus. If you spend time with him, you spend time with greatness. And you know the shocker? When you take a selfie with Shatawali, what does that selfie do to you? It takes space on your phone. That's the only thing it does. Nothing else. I've never seen anybody meet a great celebrity, you know, like Davido, and you tell him, listen, serve God well. Spend time with Jesus. Read your Bible every day. Will they tell you that? Hey, yo, come on. Yeah, you want to take a selfie? Yeah, take it now. Yeah, take it. Cry, you know. You're done. That's all. But imagine you spend that time with God. Then he whispers secrets. He tells you how your day should go. He tells you the things you did wrong that needs to be made right. He gives you strength. And many don't know because we, you see, we, we, we don't know what it, what it means to spend time with the great God. Every great man or woman of God in history spent time with God. I'm teaching you the secret to greatness. The secret to greatness is not first doing a great course in Legon. The secret to greatness is not having a PhD because I've seen many frustrated PhD holders. I'm telling you. Some of our mothers never went to school, but I'm telling you, these people have so much joy and peace. I've seen people who finish very high academic excellence and they kill themselves. You know why? Because they felt, is that all to life? So if that is all there is to your life, you are failing. Check your pursuits. In every pursuit, God first. In every pursuit, God first. And you will hear me preach this until Jesus comes. You will hear this thing on the pulpit every Sunday, one way or the other. Even if I'm preaching about marriage, I'll add it to it. You keep, you hear me, I'll hammer it. May the better with Jesus, even in heaven, I'll, when I see you. When we get to heaven, when I see you, I'll remind you. Because I'm seeing many Christians failing and they're blaming God. They've lost their joy. The devil is just hitting them with all kinds of voices. If you keep hearing the voice of God, Satan's voice will be clear when you hear it. He says, my sheep hear my voice. You know why? Because when you stay with the shepherd, you can identify his voice. So any other foreign voice is clear to you. You know the source. Now I know the voice of envy. Most of you can't distinguish it. I know the voice of selfishness because I've met the selfless God. I know. I can know it when I'm veering off track. I know it. Because when you stay with him, he leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Hallelujah. So when you check every great man in history, I'm talking of great men with God, you can study their track record. One of the key is the time they spent with God. Look at Moses. Look at David. 
I was shocked in Psalm 55 verse 17. David prayed three times a day. He was a king. So don't tell me you're a lecturer. Don't tell me you're a lawyer. Don't tell me you're a banker. He was a king. Overseeing 12 tribes. Look at Isaac. He went out to meditate in the field at even tide. So even, even Isaac had a secret. Meditations are things you do in quiet time. Psalm 55 verse 17. Look at David's secret. So if you are, the next time you are praising David, he's telling you his secret. Evening, morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 32 verse 6. It says, for this reason, they that are godly shall pray. Look, it says, for this one shall everyone that is godly pray. That means if you don't have a prayer life, you're not godly. Psalm 119 verse 163. I noticed that David did not only pray three, three times. 163. Come to 165. Let me see something. Oh, let me confirm it before. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One six four. Psalm one one nine verse one six four. Look, look at David's secret. Seven times do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. So David praised God seven times a day. These are things you do in your quiet times. So you hold tambourine, then you'll be praising God in his room. Have you ever done that before? Because you think we do that on Sundays. So he prayed three times, praised seven times. You will come out deep. Because he inhabits our praises. Hallelujah. Daniel. Daniel 6.10. We saw the secret of Daniel. He had a regular devotional life. In fact, they told him that nobody's supposed to pray to any other God for 30 days. That was when he went upstairs and opened his window for everybody to see him pray. Don't read your Bible. He opened it for everybody to see. He says, you, you say, I shouldn't pray for 30 days? Babylon is still existing because of my prayers. So Daniel was willing to spend a night in the lion's den than to go a day without prayer. This is how serious a man was with his relationship with God. He was willing to spend a night with lions and to go for a day without prayer. What are your convictions? He says, now Daniel knew that the writing was signed. He knew he was not ignorant. He knew that the writing was signed and no one should bow to any other God apart from the graven image. And he went out into his house and look, and his windows being opened. In his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And what? Gave thanks before his God. His God. As he did a fourth time. That was his regular life. <laughs> These are great men. If you are envying people for their cars, you are not serious. 
If you are envying people for their physical accomplishments, I'm telling you, you are not serious. I was speaking to um, one, one of my fathers, Professor Akodye. I told him that, Daddy, honestly, thank you for the privilege of me having this closeness with you. But Daddy, honestly, I don't want your car. I don't want anything you can give to me physically. I just want your blessings and your counsel. He was shocked. There's somebody who has over 15 cars and people are still blessing him with more. This Thursday, Thursday, he said he prayed for a woman. The woman said, uh, uh, um, he prayed for, 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 for her some time ago. She had a big contract and she wants to buy a car worth $200,000. He says, my daughter, it's okay. I don't want it. You. <laughs> so a heart is so clouded with materialism that we forget our God. This was the secret of greatness. You know, when Satan came to Jesus, he showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. And he said, worship me. And he showed it to him. Take it. That's what the devil is doing to us today. We call that compromise. So he first showed materialism. Behind it, he was looking for worship. Guess what? God doesn't do it that way. God first shows you worship. Stay with me. Then he hides the material things behind him. So you won't see it, but it's behind him. Satan showed materialism behind him was worship. God shows worship behind him is material things. And when you come to him, seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all, God says, you know something? I love what you're doing. Take your car for the meantime. Take your promotion for the meantime. Take $6,000 for the meantime. God does it gradually. Before you realize, he's doing that in bits because if he gives all to you in one day, you blow it. You won't come to church again. You will have three girlfriends. You'll be crying for mercy and yet dating mercy. <laughs> hey! So you see, see, any wealth you are pursuing after outside of God is time bomb. Who told you when you serve God doesn't give you things? Look at my life. I'm an example. I'm telling you I'm an example. David Brainerd, a great man in history who gave his time for the Lord and he took nations for Jesus, specifically India. Leonard Ravenhill spent 14 hours with God. I'm not saying so you also start spending 14 hours with God. I'm saying that to encourage somebody that you can start from somewhere. 14 hours with God. It was said that when you are having private conversations with him and his time for prayer was up, he will cut the conversation and tell you he has to go. No matter how great you are. I know a great man who was having his morning devotion and one of his sons came to tell him that the president of a nation is waiting outside. He says, let him wait. And he was praying. One hour, the man came again. 
Papa, he's here. He's in the hall. He's in the hall. He says, let him wait. And was praying. One hour again. That is two hours. Papa, a president, oh, he's here. He said, I said, let him wait. Three hours, the man came. Papa, it's becoming embarrassing. I said, if you enter this room again, I'll sack you. When he was out from prayer, after like four to six hours, when he came, the president had gone. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with the greatest president. If he needs me, he'll come back. When God sees this, he will bring nations to you. He, he refused to see a president because he had to stay with God, the highest president, who is not voted into power. <laughs> when God sees that, that's why I said God has intelligence. God is not a robot. He has intelligence. When he sees a man who is earnestly, genuinely seeking after him, he will identify that man and give him something other Christians will never enjoy. So, we are same in function, but our effect is not the same. We will never be the same in effectiveness. Never. Some are more graced than others. A.W. Toza, he had a meeting in a, in a certain church. Traveled there, they got him a hotel. One morning he rose up and he went into a certain cabin around to go and pray. He spent so much time with God that his time for preaching was up. He didn't show up. And they put another speaker there. He came later late and they asked him, please, why were you late? He said, I was spending time with God and unfortunately, I spent overtime. Have you ever done overtime for Jesus? He missed the whole program, a whole service. And if you don't, don't, don't invite him. This generation, we are, uh, you know, this generation of ministers, we are all looking for programs because in it is honorarium. So you see, there's, you, you will miss time. You will miss time. <laughs> if money is your God, eh? We never serve God. I'm telling you. If all you are looking in life is more money. More money. And that's the, that's, that's the, 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 uh, lies Satan is telling for us. More money. More money. More money. So you wake up in the morning. More money. Your life is moving away. More money. More money. Guess what? The more you have more money, the more you need more money to keep that more money. That's how it is. Never ending. Your appetite for money never dies. So one great man said, Jesus is not safe, but he satisfies. So when you are in Christ, he's not saying that everything about your life will be safe. No, 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 no. There will be problems. But guess what? There is something that can be denied. He truly satisfies. I love Jesus. He knows I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> Zacharias Tani Fomum spent 16 hours with God. And his formula for Christian living is eight hours with God, eight hours for God, and eight hours for yourself. He said, if you're a preacher and you pray one hour, it's for your personal survival. If you have a wife, it's one hour, 30 minutes. If you have children, it's two hours. 
if you have a ministry, it is three hours and above. Now, you tell me that you have understood grace. It's not that about the time you spend with God. Oh, that you are so. Bishop Ajinasari said, if you're a man of God who is into ministry, anybody who is doing the work of ministry, and you don't pray three hours and above, you won't see much done. I heard this some years ago. I said, this man doesn't understand grace. I need to get some articles for him. On him, the orca. I've regretted saying, saying that in my heart. Hey, I'm telling you it's true. If you have a ministry, when I say ministry, like this man singing here, this people singing here, you don't spend time with God. That means Sunday before you hold this mic, three hours non-stop. Father, show us your glory in this meeting. In the name of, if you have a ministry, it is three hours and above. Me, I'm telling you today, if you want to if you want to make an indelible impact in your service of God, you spend time with God. The attention I hold the microphone is like a spirit, which I know is the Holy Ghost, takes over my life. I say things I never wrote down. When I leave, I was like, how did I say this? How did I? I have boldness that cannot be explained because I don't, naturally, I don't have boldness like that. Those who are close to me will know that. But when I am on this, I can look at your face and tell you, it gives you some boldness and all these things is the secret place secret place student the real apport is not with your friends it's with the Holy Ghost I'm telling you Elijah was Elisha was at home secrets of the Syrian army was shown to him by the time they were trying to attack they were ambushed and the king said ah who is betraying us in this place? He said, no, no, there's a prophet in Israel. <laughs> there is a prophet in Israel. Who knows the secrets we share in this chamber? In the last time I checked, the Bible said, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Ian Bounds spent so much time with God. His minimum time he spent with God was four hours. If you really want to spend time, you can break your time into pieces. You can break it into uh, six sets of 30 minutes. Because I'm telling you, the one who is saying he doesn't have time, you have too much time. I can prove it. You have too much time. You can break it into 30 minutes. That time you used to worry is time. That time you used to gossip is time. If you can compress all these things, all these foolish times you have been using, throw it away and use that time well. Something will change your life. You can break it into 30 minute sets. Morning, mid-morning, 30 minutes. Afternoon, 30 minutes. Late afternoon, 30 minutes. In the evening, 30 minutes. Do it and see something. You keep to it no matter what. Something will change about your life. As he prayed, the fashion of, of his countenance was altered. He was changed. We all, with an unveiled face as we behold us in the glory, uh, as in a glass, the glory of God, are changed. The secret to change is spend time with God. Mother Howard was one great widow. Ever since the husband 
died she decided to spend time with Jesus Christ <laughs> she, she wakes up at 4 a.m. to pray from 4 to 8 when she's done there's a couple in their basement that she goes to visit and counsel them she comes back at 2 p.m. eats and prays from 2 into night sometimes she prays throughout midnight sometimes she prays into the next morning and one of the major prayers was that there's supposed to be a full gospel church in their area and it happened Abel Clary great man of prayer John Knox the man who said give me Scotland or I die some of you should be crying give me UPS or I die give me Legon or I die there are some of you your prayer is give me KFC or I die Your pursuit is mundane. Apostle Joseph Babalola. I'm giving you a list of great people and their secret. It was in quiet time. George Muller. This is a man who fed over 2,000 orphans without asking for a CD or a pound from anybody. Do you know what it means to have 2,000 orphans? He was living every day by faith. There was one time there was no food and he gathered all the 2,000 children and they prayed. And they said, Jesus is bringing us a meal today. Meanwhile, there was no meal. He said, take your forks and knives and get ready. Hey. Guess what? A man who sells milk in a truck was moving. And when he got to that, that place, the car spot. And by the time they repaired, it would take the next morning. And at that time, the milk would go bad. And the man was looking for a place to give the milk out. So that... He can go for a fresh one. And he gave it to the orphans. And that's how they ate milk and cake that day. Hey, all the provisions you need there. Eh? Let me just share this thing to encourage your faith. Yesterday, I went for a meeting somewhere to go and preach. I've spent a lot of money this week dealing with something. So I had only 60 Ghana cities in my Momo account. And whilst I finished preaching, I thought on Thanksgiving and I said, let's give thanks. And I was teaching yesterday that there are people who have done things for you that you're supposed to thank them. You have never thanked them. Go and thank them before I came to the teaching on thanking God. So when we were finished, and I said, I was going to use part of the offerings to give offerings today. And I said, Father, find an offering for me because I'm sowing it now. And I sent that money. When we closed on my way going home, and then I received a text message. This is, man of God, I've been trying to reach you every single time since last year. I was watching you online. I'm in US now. Then I gave him attention. I said, hello. I was driving. <laughs> I said, really? You, you have to try and call again. Because the first message he sent, he said, man of God, is this your original Momo? I said, yeah, let's find a way to talk, but this is my Momo. <laughs> we don't joke with money issues. It's very, 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 very spiritual. You understand? Guys, you won't believe it. I'm just saying, it's, it's, you may see it as nothing, but I'm just saying because it was something for me. When I was done talking to him, do you know how much he sent me? How much did I give? Do you know how much he sent me? 600, 600 Ghana cities. Now, was, was it a coincidence? 60 Ghana is a tithe of 600 Ghana cities. So, I was like, how did God calculate this thing? How does he order in my life? How, God, see, when you work with God, he will do some things to make you know he's the one. <laughs> I love him. 
That's how he gave me an offering for today. And I said, Father, I will spoil that money on you. I'll spoil it on you. George Muller. When they, every money he receives, he, he writes it down. At the end of his life, when they calculated, he had raised close to 70 million pounds without begging anybody for money. Do you know his secret? His secret was reading the Bible and spending time with God every single day. There are some of it in your quiet time that God will give you a business idea. Oh, yes. John Welch said, I consider my day poorly spent if I don't spend seven hours with the Lord. That means to him, a bad day was that he didn't spend seven hours with Jesus. How do you define a bad day? How do you define a bad day? You know, I've come to realize that my worst days, I feel bad when I've not met my prayer target. My minimum prayer target is six hours. So I feel bad when I've done only four hours. And some people think it's a joke. It's not a joke. I'm telling you. This year, I've not prayed 20 hours. And that's, I'm looking for a day I can be able to do because time, a lot of things are taking my time now. So it was, I was sad that because last year, I did 15, I did 18, I did 20 hours, I did 24 hours. Don't stop in prayer. So this year, I've not gotten the time. The highest I've done is 10 hours. I'm feeling bad. I'm looking for a time where I can be able to do 12 hours on myself or do 20 hours. I want to break that 24 hours I did. Now, this is my worry. I don't know your worry. Oh. It doesn't mean I don't have financial issues. Oh. I have plenty. <laughs> but there is something that I exalt above these things. Martin Luther. He said, I have so much to do that I spend three hours with God. Do you know what he's saying? He said, the reason why I spend time with God is because I'm busy. You know what someone said? He said, if you want to find out what a man really is like, find out what he is like alone with God. If you want to find out how a man really is like, find out how he really is like alone with God. In other words, the more busier you get, the more busy you get with God. <laughs> Robert McShane Murray. He said he will never look at a man's face until he has looked at the face of God. That means when he wakes up in the morning, you greet him, he will mind you until he has finished looking at God in prayer and the word of God then he comes and comes to talk to people these are things you should be copying you know these are things you learn so I've learned it when I wake up Charles will come and say Papa good morning how am I in I just enter when I'm done I say Charlie how are you is everything fine it's a practice because sometimes the good morning will come have you swept you have not swept this area before you realize you spent 30 minutes These are things you are supposed to be learning. You know. Most of you are learning wrong things. 
wrong things. I'm teaching good here. There was a great man called Charles Simeon. He devoted four hours of his day to God. You know Charles Wesley, the one who wrote most of the hymns? He wrote over 6,000 hymns. That's the brother of John Wesley. He spent two hours daily with God. So if a man could spend two hours daily with God and wrote 6,000 hymns, do you know what you can do spending two hours alone with God? John Wesley woke up every 4 a.m. Every 4 a.m. he woke up. Bishop Lancelot Andrew spent five hours a day with God. Bishop Ken spent two hours a day with God. In fact, he rose up every 2 a.m. Joseph Alain, he was so spiritual that he felt embarrassed when he woke up at dawn and he heard the voice of tradesmen. He was saying that they are more faithful with their trade than he's faithful with God. So he felt bad. John Buyan. He says something. He said, prayer is a shield to the soul. A sacrifice to God and a whip to the devil. Anytime you pray, you are making, you are creating a shield in your soul. You are making a sacrifice to God. And you are what? Giving whips to the devil. Young Gicho spent five hours a day with God. Bishop David Oedipo spends three hours a day with God. Prophet Johnson, Apostle Johnson Suleiman spends six hours a day with God. Look at their lives. Bishop Ajinasari spends three hours a day with God. Prophet Nanapseo Pokusa Kodia spends minimum of four hours a day with God. Normally he spends six hours with God. The man who built Potter City. When you go to that place and you see that city, you will know that it, is, it was not the man that did it. It was God. I don't know which area you are. You may be a doctor. You may be a nurse. You may be a banker. But let me tell you, one thing that will make you exceptional in your area and field is the time you spend with God. You become unique in whatever you do. Because what breeds on what you're doing is anointing. You succeed. The anointed David who said he prayed five, three times a day. Go and check. Saul wanted to kill him. So Saul said, do you know what I want as bride price? For my daughter, go and get me the foreskin. No foreskin, you know, if what we remove from um, uh, baby's um, penis area, right? That thing, that foreskin we remove during circumcision. He said, Bring me that of elderly people, Philistines, 100. Isn't it dead? Because by the time you are trying to remove the first one, they'll cut your head. And Saul said, I want it as my bride, bride price for, for taking my daughter. 100. Do you know how many David brought? 200. Listen, if you are saturated with, with the presence of God there, things people set as traps to kill you, it doesn't work. Imagine, I've told you about praying over food, praying before you sleep, all these things. Someone has poisoned you on your food and before the, the person is sitting with you, expecting you to eat it, and you say, Father, bless this food and sanctify it. And the person is sitting watching you. I ask that you feed the hungry also. Thank you that this food enters me and comes as divine health. In Jesus' name. That food was anointed. 
So listen, all these things here to benefit you one day. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. I'm helping someone here. I want to close early today. Listen to me. Most of your life problems, uh, students, workers, married men, career holders, most of the problems you're going through, the frustrations, the heat, the worry, the anxiety that you are going through, most of them is simply because you don't do it with God's presence. You don't do them in the anointing of the Spirit. You don't do them in God's power. Please. God knows best. That's why he says, he says give, give him your best time. He knows. Jesus has told us in John 15. He says, without me, you can do what? He didn't say you can do some things. He says you can do nothing. That means if anything you do for him without his strength. You know what he's telling you? He says you never yield anything. I've seen so many Christians frustrated. I've seen them frustrated. Sometimes most of the problems people tell me about, I may be having that same problem. But the difference between me and them is that I'm not as worried as they are. So I'm sure some of you be like, huh, as for Papa, he doesn't have problems, so he doesn't really know what it means. If you're a student here, I've also been a student before. The same papers you are writing, I've written them. So you can't tell me that yours is unique. It's not a unique. You wrote a paper you couldn't finish. I've written a paper I couldn't finish. But my response was different. Mine was thanksgiving. Yours was complaining and crying. And that same paper I couldn't finish. The Holy Ghost finished for me or one angel did it. If the hand of God can write commandments on a tablet, ah. the hand of God can finish a paper. Ah. We call that faith. Faith does not deny problems. No, no, no. I've seen people who are sick and they say, they tell them, don't say you are sick. They are sick and say, what is wrong with you? I'm well. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm, I'm well. I'm wrong. Go back here. He said, if you say the problem, that means that you don't have faith. Who said that? Faith is not denial of the problem. But rather, you raise a higher fact in scripture that nullifies it. How, if you deny the law of gravity, the law of gravity, whether you are born or you are not born, it exists. It will fall down. But you see, there is a higher law that overcomes gravity, which is called the law of aerodynamics. That's what makes a plane remain in the air. So, the sickness is a law. But by his stripes you are healed. It's a higher law. <laughs> so, faith does not deny problems, but acknowledges God's word over that problem. That is faith. I'm done for today. God bless you. Now,
you want to bow down your head in prayer in the next one minute you want to say Jesus this man is touching my heart in so many ways but I don't know how to go about it help me pray that prayer now father help me to deepen my time with you and as some of you the Lord is going to tell you to do a timetable the Lord is going to give you a time you're supposed to wake up some of you will tell you wake up at 4 some of you will tell you wake up at 12 some of you will tell you wake up at 3 a.m. as you were listening to the teaching that thought that was coming to you about how to do a better quiet time it was the Holy Ghost that was dropping into your spirit but you can't recognize it I'm telling you today as I was teaching that thing that is making you repent is the Holy Ghost that voice telling you why don't you wake up at this time to pray